Good morning again, Christ Community Church. If you would be turning in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 12 through 36 this morning. And the key truth that I want us to walk away with is this, is that God's wisdom that pursues us proves valid in its life-giving power and authoritative in its joyous relationship with all of creation for our greatest good. Let me say that again. God's wisdom that pursues us proves valid in its life-giving power and authoritative in its joyous relationship with all of creation for our greatest good. If you would, give your attention to the reading of God's Word this morning. This is Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 through 36. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me. Enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me, and filling their treasuries. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. Ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But, who, but he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we step into this second part, this is a continuation in chapter 8 of Lady Wisdom declaring her worth. And so what we see here is uh, she's declaring both her validity and authority. And it's important that we remember this is the person who's pursuing us. And so as we read these words, we should be in awe that someone who is present from the beginning of creation, who is able to do all these things, would actually come after us. So the question I have for us as we step into this sermon is what serves to establish validity and authority of something that you will entrust yourself to? This is actually a very important question. And if you think about the various aspects of your life where you've gotten yourself into probably some real trouble, either relationally, 
uh, a job, a church, a school, oftentimes we overcommit ourselves or we, we grant too much of ourselves to someone before there's any established validity or real authority. And true validity ought to always uh, be out for our good. That, that's what should make something valid is that it would encourage, uplift, bring us life more abundant. And then from the authoritative side, that it actually can deliver on those things. Those aren't just false promises. Those aren't just things that are uh, checks written that cannot be cashed. And so it, it, it would be good for us to recognize sometimes our tendency to, to think too highly of something before we see any real result, to give too much of ourselves away before we see any real care or concern. This is really important for many of our young people and certainly the, the single people in our church. Before you go headlong into any relationship, this is why it's important to give it time. Be patient. Test it. I love the fact that the Lord says, test me. And know that I am good. Test the spirits to see if they, in fact, do exalt Christ, which is so frequently one of the main demarcators. Um, those who love Christ, that is, that is valid and that is authoritative and means if they love Jesus, then they're going to love you well. Any church, same thing. Uh, where's the validity? Where's the authority? What, what is being expressed? Um, how many mistakes have we made by getting too involved too fast or, or, again, looking past the red flags, not testing, not asking those hard questions? We would rather people find out early whether or not this is the, the, the place that, that they would want to submit themselves and to engage in worship and use their gifts and to flourish in spirit and truth. We need to do a better job of that throughout all of life. Well, here, wisdom is is declaring both her validity and authority. And so as we step back into the text, let's first look at wisdom's validity established in life-giving power. She says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find knowledge and discretion. Let me pause here. Not only does she pursue us, but she serves essentially as a search engine. She is willing to go and find what it is we need. So when we have a request, when we have something we need to know, Lady Wisdom, helps to, to, to bring that information to us. In this sense, she's acting uh, in, in the same way that the Holy Spirit does for us. Remember what Jesus, how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, that He is our guide. Uh, he convicts. And so when, when we have a need, the Holy Spirit functions to, to help bring that to us in the form of wisdom. Uh, do remember, even when the disciples were going to be put on trial, Jesus told them, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will provide it to you. And so not only are we pursued, but we are served by Lady Wisdom. What a great gift. She goes on to say and gives us a shorthand understanding of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So anything that doesn't glorify God, anything that, that, that makes us prideful and arrogant and think that we are not the created, that we are not in need of the creator or a savior, that is to be hated. That, in fact, remember the whole reason that God hates sin is because it separates us from him, because he so deeply loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. He hates anything that robs us of that opportunity. To, to, to be with him and to be reconciled to each other. He hates that which separates us from ourselves. He hates that which separates us from creation itself. And so 
part of fearing the Lord is to actually genuinely hate what he hates. So we should hate the things that separate and divide. This is why unity is so important, but we have to be unified around something. And we have to be unified around the gospel and Christ is savior and God is creator and father and Holy Spirit is comforter and guide. And so we fear the Lord best when we, when we care about the relationship with him and with others, when we are true ambassadors of reconciliation. And she goes on to say, I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insights. I have strength. So she has all of these things that, that we need for, for life in a fallen world. And she even says, by me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. So if she can help those who govern mass groups of people, those who, who govern entire nations, can she not help those who are seeking to run a household, those who are seeking to run a business, things that are much smaller than, than a nation? So it, she's speaking of the greater, but notice nowhere does it say that she pursues kings. She does, but throughout Proverbs, what she's seen, what we've seen is she pursues Everyone, the common person, the simpleton, the fool, the wicked, those who need her, kings need her as well. And so if, if, if she can help at that level, how much more can she help us with the various aspects of our lives? And she says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Notice again, this is ongoing relational language. This isn't you find her once and that's it. This is an ongoing pursuit. This is an ongoing seeking. This is an ongoing engagement that is unlike Lady Folly. Lady Folly, it essentially is a one night stand that leads to death. Maybe it takes a long time for that to occur, but still it's not an ongoing relationship. The description with, with Lady Folly is very different than this. It's not, it's commodified. This, this is love. And God's love for us, he, he pursues and he continues to pursue. He indwells us with the Holy Spirit. He pursues us with his word. He pursues us with his community. What a great gift to us that God longs to be and lives out uh, a relationship with us, his people. She says, my fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. We've heard this language before. Again, in Solomon's mouth, it means it meant something very profound. I walk in the way of righteousness and the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. And so if we want to grow and be formed into a people who are righteous, just, and equitable, who look like Jesus in the fear of the Lord, who, who are ambassadors of reconciliation, who truly creatively can help make uh, this world a, a better place, help the family get bigger, help shape uh, the bride of Christ in the new heavens, new earth, then we need Lady Wisdom. And she validly is worthy of our time, of our pursuit, of our acknowledgement. Uh, it's important that we see that Christ is the embodiment of this wisdom. So essentially what we're talking about is pursuing Christ. Essentially what we're talking about is being in union with Christ so that we would have all of these things. Very similar language is used all throughout the New Testament. Think of how many times, like Ephesians 1, where it talks about the lavishness of God's love and how we have access to all of the heavenly blessings, the heavenly storehouses. What a great gift that we have from a God who pursues and provides. Um, and so as, as, as we wrap up this section on validity, listen to what David Atkinson says about this section. He says, wisdom offers counsel 
and sound judgment, understanding, and power, and these riches are put within everyone's reach. Here we have the capacity to give good advice coupled with practical skills to arrange things to lead to a good outcome and the power to achieve it. These abilities flow from the fear of the Lord. They are the capacities that people need to make sense of their lives and cope with life's needs. What a great gift to us from the Lord Himself. So the question I have for us, it's worthy of consideration, is how has God's wisdom helped you to grow to be more like Him in righteousness, justice, and equity? We'd be remiss if, if we were to go through this series and not ask that question somewhere along the way, and it makes sense here as evidence of the validity of God's wisdom. So how are you genuinely being helped to grow in each of those categories? And if you're not, maybe you're missing something. Maybe, you, maybe we, we haven't uh, drilled down into it enough. Do fight to try to get there. Notice that this is what God desires for us as people, that this is what we would look like in the world, how we would best represent Him. Let's turn back to the text and see wisdom's authority expressed in joyous relationship with all of creation. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work, the first of His acts of old. And so straight away what she's saying is wisdom, she, wisdom, permeates everything that was created. And wisdom is just a characteristic of God. Lady Wisdom is not a, an incarnated being. Uh, this, is, this is poetic language used to describe wisdom as specific subject. Now, Jesus is the incarnated wisdom of, of God. And we even see in John 1 where it speaks of him as the logos or the, 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 the key reason, the, the, the word itself that was with God from the very beginning and was made manifest in Christ. But it's important that we recognize that in, in God's creation, there is order. There is reason. There is, there is a purpose for each and everything, and it serves in, in a very much a symbiotic way and, and helps to build up, encourage, and edify. The fall introduces all of the negative, destructive things. goes on, Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth, and, and there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he made the earth with its fields, were the first of the dust of the world. This would carry this student back to those two beautiful sermons about creation in Genesis 1 and 2. This would, would, would create in the student's mind imaginatively uh, what, what was going on was, was, it made sense. It was part of God's will. It was part of his plan. It was unfolding according to, to that which he had, had purposed in wisdom. She goes on with language that should actually make us think of Job. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle in the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. What's so interesting about the book of Job is notice the question that God asked Job when he, when he finally encounters Job, when Job finally encounters him in the whirlwind. He says, where were you, Job? Because see, Job actually is a book of wisdom. Job is trying to understand suffering. And, and what we see here is wisdom was actually there. And wisdom can actually serve us in, in, in ways and help us to understand and navigate through the different difficulties in life because of her authoritative relationship with all of creation. 
And notice what it says next. In fact, the, the Hebrew rendering here actually speaks more of almost childlike play and dancing and frivolity, uh, something that we, we Reformed folks can sometimes struggle with. But listen at the language. And, it's, and she says, I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him, always rejoicing in his, in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. Now, what we see here is a, a beautiful example of, of the interplay with, within the Trinity itself in some measure of how wisdom is, is both delighted in and delights in God. God delighted in seeing wisdom coming to pass in and through creation. He delighted to see things ordered and, and working together and coming together. And wisdom also took great pleasure in being invited into the work. Right? We, in the same way, have got to learn and grow and develop our ability to, to, to play and have awe. That's a huge portion of the fear of the Lord, to be able to take great joy in the things of the Lord, to throw the best parties, to give the best feasts, to be the best at hospitality and celebration. Uh, what would it look like for our friends and neighbors if this were a description of us, if we took such great joy in the work that God was inviting us into? instead of acting as if it were an appendage of, of drudgery. One more thing that we have to do. we got to go to worship because I don't want anybody to say anything to me. I don't want anybody to, you know, wonder what's going on. I have to, we have to go to this thing. We have to do that. We have to be part of this thing. You know, and I, listen, I'm numbered among you. I, I, I wrestle at times with actually deriving great joy uh, and taking pleasure in things. But I can honestly tell you it's not God's fault. For a lot of it, for me, during this season, it's been a, a time of great discovery. One of the books that I'm reading is a book called The Body Keeps Score. And one of the things that it's helped kind of unpack for me is that um, frequently those who have suffered much as children uh, really struggle with frivolity and play, and they don't like taking risks. Joy is a risk, by the way, to someone like me who suffered as a child. And so it's been eye-opening to have to realize I've got to learn how to play. I've got to learn how to take great joy in the things of the Lord. And I've had glimpses, don't get me wrong, but it hasn't been a sustained thing at times for me. And so it's been beautiful to, to come upon this passage and, and studying and see this and continue to meditate and think on and, and be excited about what the Lord is doing in my own heart and mind and calling me to in great joy. And I, I want you to experience the same things. I want our church to be a church that knows how to enjoy the good things of God, who knows that when we are invited into the work of the Lord, that is a wonderful privilege. Uh, to, to get to see the, the things that the Lord is up to, for us to be an expectant instead of cynical people, what a gift that would be to this world. As one who knows all the, the contours of cynicism all too well, I'm, I'm grateful for the Lord's work and the Holy Spirit to help bring me out from under much of that. It's going to be a process that's going to take time. As many of you may know, to, uh, it's going to be a while before I start just hugging people. And the pandemic's helping me have the space I need to not have to rush into that just anytime soon. 
And so uh, the, the thing that I want us to recognize from this is the position that the children of man, that they sit in. It's much like Psalm 8. Notice they sit at the pinnacle of this discussion of the authority of Lady Wisdom. And notice she, she specifically takes delight. Think of the question from Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him, that you would crown us with honor and glory? From the beginning, we have been the crown jewel of creation. And we see here Lady Wisdom acknowledges that. If you would listen to this, this quote from Derek Kidner as he describes this section uh, from Proverbs 8, he says, First, wisdom is what Yahweh as creator counted primary and indispensable. This is not random or chaotic. He wasn't just experimenting, throwing things together. Wisdom was primary and indispensable to how he did what he did in creation. Second, wisdom is both older than the universe and fundamental to it. Again, the Lord didn't just send things into motion and then, and then sit back at the back of the universe. Lady Wisdom and Christ as the incarnation of, of God's wisdom continue to pursue, continue to intercede, continue, continues to uh, be involved in the created order of things. And in and through the power of the Holy Spirit as, as well as Christ's intercessory work as He sits at the right hand of the Father. Not a speck of matter, not a trace of order came into existence but by wisdom. Third, wisdom is the spring of joy, for joy breaks out whenever and wherever the Creator's wisdom is exercised. Joy of creating and joy of existence, the makers and the creatures delight. So it's for both of us. Right? I love that God takes delight in wisdom and wisdom takes delight in Him and the whole process is just delightful. Um, and it goes on to say, both flow from the exercise of divine wisdom, that is, from God's perfect workmanship. So where have you witnessed God's wisdom displayed in His creation? Do you, just, do you ever take time just to be still and know that He is God in and through His creation? Do you pay attention to what, he, what He's doing in the skies? Do you pay attention to, to what He's doing through the various seasons and even how as they change, there's wisdom in that? There's great wisdom. In fact, it's interesting. If you, if you were to take some flowering plants and you were to move them into a, a, a setting where they did not, they, they, they couldn't tell that the season was changing, they essentially would flower themselves to death. Instead of the process of, of seeming to die over the fall and winter and then rising in resurrection newness of life in the spring, when they are called back forth. There's a wisdom to granting rest to the different processes, and actually it's, it, it, it sustains and lengthens the life expectancy of much of what God has created. We could learn a lot from that. The Lord's Day Sabbath is granted to us in every given week as a, as a, as a moment to, to, to rest in the finished work of God, to rest in the satisfactory work of Christ, to rest in... The, the beauty and power of the Holy Spirit to feast on all that is good, to, to be uh, renewed and sustained and provided for by the Lord our God. And yet we just crank through thinking, we just, we've got to get this done. And, and over and over, even worldly wisdom has discovered you will die faster that way, actually. You won't get more done. You, you, what you get done won't be near as good as if you had taken some form of a Sabbath. We, the Lord's Day Sabbath, the richest of those. And so we could learn a lot 
from just paying attention to how God does what He does in creation, how He provides. And then how has God's wisdom helped you to have greater joy in His gifts to you? This is, uh, this is we, we have a lot of work to do here. I have a lot of work to do in my own life for this, but we, we need to be a people who in, in wisdom recognize and take great joy in what God has provided for us and the things He's invited us into and the situations He has entrusted to us to steward even the difficult ones. He's entrusted to us in His sovereignty. Well, as we turn back to the, the final portion of the text, let's see the student's responsibility in regards to God's wisdom. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Notice here that, again, it's the student's responsibility to recognize the places where wisdom is located and to be able to glean wisdom from each of those, those places in patience. But notice it's, it's wisdom who's making sure that the student knows that she's available and he is loved and, and, and abundant life is available in and through her. This is still a way in which she pursues. She's crying out to us and expressing that she loves us. And to not do so uh, is verse 36. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So if she validly and authoritatively is the means to life and life more abundant, more importantly, Christ, who is the incarnate wisdom, is, is validly and authoritatively the only means to eternal life, then if that's true, then what other possibility is there for us if we reject Christ? if we reject the very wisdom of God that offers to us life and life more abundant, what other Superman is coming? In fact, Hebrews picks up on this, right? In chapter 10, where, where it says, look, if you reject the blood of Christ, if you trample it underfoot, there, there is no other salvation for you. There's no other Savior coming. And so by virtue of that, then, then it can only be that you love death and you're injuring yourself to reject the one who has pursued you, the one who has provided for you, the one who has created you, the one who has loved you before you were even born, who has loved you even when you were an enemy, as Ephesians 2 describes us. For us to reject that is a, is a pronouncement that our love is for death and death eternally. That needs to be sobering to us, but, but more than that even being sobering to us is to recognize how great the gift, right? Again, think about if, if you suddenly get a, a call on your phone and you didn't quite know who it was and you picked up and it was Michael Jordan. He's like, hey, I just, man, I, I, just, I got your phone number and I just want to shoot some, some baskets with you. I just want to hang out. How crazy would that be? Or if Tom Brady, again, were to call and say, hey, I, I just, I've heard about you. Uh, and I just want to play some catch with you. I uh, just want to throw the football and kind of hang out and maybe eat some guacamole ice cream or whatever it, it is he does. Uh, and think about any other person who, who has validity and authority in some various ways. If they were to reach out to you and say, hey, I came after you. 
I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to spend time with you. I wanted to be with you and do the thing that brings delight to both of us. Well, that's God. The creator of the universe has condescended and pursued us through wisdom, through Christ, continues to in the power of the Holy Spirit, through worship, uh, through his word, through prayer, through all of the means of grace. He continues to condescend and speak in a way that we can understand. He continues to pursue us in ways that are tangible, that can bring joy, that can bring delight, that can uh, grant meaning to, to life in a fallen world when so much is off and, and faltering and confusing. Wow, this is incredible that he, he would do this for us. We need to be in awe of that. That should cause us to fear him and want to be more like him and to represent his character in this world for the life of the world. So listen to what David Hubbard says about this passage. I love the way he puts this. He says, wisdom has made her case. Her assets are sterling. Her credentials impeccable. She has more than earned the right to be heard. She needs say little more about herself. So she returns to her first concern, the welfare of the disciples whom she is recruiting. Wisdom has made her case. They now must make their choices. Discipleship is not just studying. It's not just a knowledge problem. It's not an issue of knowledge. It is deciding. Now think about the, the, the passage in the Old Testament where it says, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Think about the discussion of the why does the path to destruction narrow the way to righteousness? Choose the narrow way. It is incumbent upon us that, that we continually decide that we want God's wisdom and we need it daily, do we not? Again, is there any riven day that you have felt so in control of the, the, the minutes and hours of that day and the events of that day that you go, yeah, I don't, I don't really need any help here. I've got it. And again, I just want to remind us that we don't, we'd probably be better off if we were that honest, but we're not. How we do it is we go through the day and we forget to pray and we forget to read scripture, and we, for, we forget to, to worship, and, and we, we forget uh, to, to, to pause and take joy. We, we forget to give thanks. But again, none of that's going to change if we don't start dwelling in the places where God's wisdom is being offered to us and listening intently, leaning in. No, it's not easy. Love is not simple. Love is not easy. So it's a fallacy to, to want truths of eternal magnitude to be so simplified that they lose their actual marrow. This is hard to consider and think about and live out. It just is. And yet, what is simple is God's declaration to us. His love for us is simply stated beyond our comprehension. And so may we be the people who lean in and listen and receive. So my last question for us this morning is, where do you go to find wisdom? Do you know where to go? And what are some places that you might be ignoring God's wisdom where it's being offered? One place that I want to highlight here is in the folks we disagree with. So often there's so much of God's wisdom being proclaimed in and through those we so ardently disagree with, we need to humbly lean in and listen, particularly with our unbelieving friends and neighbors, unbelievers of all kinds. 
they often are crying out for the Lord our God, even though they don't know that's what they're crying out for. And we would, we would do well to listen in and, and, and hear what God wisely is imparting to us to stewards so we would be in relationship with them. That the wisdom of the Lord comes from all kinds of places if we would but pay attention and recognize how his voice can break through a donkey, stones that would cry out, and other places as well. And so we need to, in humility, recognize the sovereignty, the omniscience, the omnipotence, the glory of God. So Proverbs 8, 22 through 36 teaches us that God's wisdom that pursues us, one, is validated by God's loving provision of life more abundant through it. Number two, that it expresses its authority and joyous relationship with all of creation. And number three, must be sought and received daily by those who fear him. Church, may we be a people who, who are able to take great joy in, in God's pursuit of us and recognize the validity and the authority that God expresses in and through his wisdom and uniquely in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have established the validity of your wisdom. And we have seen, tasted and seen that you are good in and through the treasury that we've had access to. When we've accessed it, Lord, as I have experienced, it is, it is good. It's not always easy. I don't always want it, but it is good. Thank you, Lord, that you have expressed the authority of your wisdom in and through the joyous relationship that you have with creation and, and ongoingly have, in and through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, through the intercessory work of Christ at, at your right hand. God, thank you that, that from the beginning, redemption was your plan. Restorate, to be in relationship with your people has always been the goal that hasn't changed. Our sin didn't change that. Our enmity didn't change that. You pursued us. You've provided for us. May we receive. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see this day so that we would take delight in you as you have taken delight in us. In Christ's name, amen.